Good morning, all. Uh, I'm Nathan. I'm the youth pastor here. I know Dan said he was the pastor here, but there's two of us now. He's still getting used to that, I guess. Yeah. I, I told him he's a pastor, not the pastor. But that's okay. So, when, well, I'm gonna, I'll show you my memes first, because they're hilarious and I can't wait. So it says, courage, the one thing that comes right before regret. <laughs> Something drunk. Courage, do one brave thing, then run like hell. Courage level stork. He's on an alligator or something there, if you can't see that. And then this is just nice. And it says, courage is the absence of fear when we're focused on the mighty God who is always with us. I found that. I didn't make that. But it fits perfectly with the things I want to say this morning. So if you're like me, as soon as you hear this idea of courage and the Bible, then you just think, oh, it's going to be about that, that line, be strong and courageous. It happens 11 times in the Bible. I mean, you've heard it. If you've been around church for like a year, you've heard that verse in some context. Be strong and courageous, and it's followed by something else. 11 times in the Bible. And the word that they use here for courage, I probably can't pronounce it, hazak, or kazak. It literally means to grow firm or strong or to show oneself strong. It's actually interchangeable with the word strength. You didn't like that? <laughs> I've never done this before. I did it because you said Cody said that I had to. <laughs> That's how leadership works. He tells me I have to, and then he has to deal with the consequences. <laughs> so the word is, the, the word here that's used for, for courage, um, it's actually interchangeable with the word that's used in that same phrase for strength, which is a mets. And they're both Hebrew. Old Testament's written in Hebrew, if you didn't catch that. Uh, so it, elsewhere, that, that same word, emetz, is translated as courage. Like their strength and courage are, are interchangeable. Which makes sense, because when you think about what courage is, it's like that inner strength, that, that gumption to go do something. So we've kind of developed this idea that, that courage, though, is for heroes. It's for like the guys in the movies, or it's guys like Scott, who's a cop, or guys like Zach, who's a, a firefighter, right? Like, we think, those guys are courageous, and I'm just some regular guy. And, and that's not the case. Uh, courage isn't just for extreme sports. Courage is, isn't just for occasional use. To show yourself strong, you don't actually have to be strong. And like, like that stork, for example, no one thinks a stork is strong. I mean, that guy's never done leg day in his life. Do you see those skinny things? But, but in that, that picture, like everyone's like, oh, that stork's so courageous, that alligator's going to eat him. Or, or the penguin. Like, no, no one ever thought, I'm going to be like the mighty penguin. It's a bird that can't fly. <laughs> no one wants to be a penguin. So in... I, I looked it up in the English dictionary to get a definition of courage, which if you're wondering, it's not courage, it's courage. The, the phonetics gave me K upside down E R I J. That's courage. So we're all on the same page. I'm saying it right. So in the English dictionary, it's the ability to do something that frightens oneself, 
strength in the face of pain or grief, which is why I wore this headset thing, because I was worried, what am I going to do with my hands? If I have two of them, so then I'll preach on my phone, and that'll take care of this, and I got the clicker here. And I, I mean, you can't preach a sermon on courage and not do something courageous like wear a headset. So courage is not a strength you get at the gym, but inner strength. God wants to work on your insides, not your outsides, right? You, we keep going through the Bible and over and over and over again. Like, I don't know if anywhere the Bible says, do more push-ups. But it talks about building this inner stuff, building up your character, building your courage, and such things. Which brings us to our first proverb. Nope. Yes. If you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much of you in the first place. Rescue the perishing. Don't hesitate to step in and help. If you say, hey, that's none of my business, will that get you off the hook? Someone is watching you closely. You know, someone not impressed with weak excuses. So it, it talks about rescuing the perishing, which is Christianese for telling your non-Christian peers about Jesus. And, and it says, like, don't make weak excuses. God's watching you. And when the Bible says something like God's watching you and he's not impressed with weak excuses, I think that also means the opposite is true, that if you step up and you help and you don't make weak excuses and you do something and you make an attempt to rescue the perishing, then God is impressed. And I would like to impress God. That'd be fun. So, um, yeah, so we often have this idea of courage being for superheroes. And like when I read that first line and it's talking about falling apart in a crisis, and I think, well, heroes deal with crises. Therefore, courage is for heroes because they don't fall apart when something bad happens. And that's not the case. I think that courage isn't just for heroes. So if you're writing something down, you should write that down. I based my sermon on that idea. Because courage isn't just for heroes. Which brings us to the next one. So this is Psalm, or Proverbs 28, verse 1. And I use this also not to exercise. It says, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them. Because it's in the Bible, I'm not going for a run. That would make me wicked. <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. That's out of context. So the whole thing says, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them, but the godly are as bold as lions. This is not talking about exercise. As much of an excuse as I'd like. So I really like how Eugene Peterson put it in the message. And he says, the wicked are edgy with guilt, ready to run off, even when no one is after them. Honest people are relaxed and confident, bold as lions. And I mean, like I've been around church my whole life. So as soon as like I hear these words and they tick something in my mind. So then when I hear lions, it makes me think of Aslan from the Chronicles of Narnia. Anyone else? Yeah. And, you know, that's a Christian thing, so I can relate to it. And, and like, like when he, he's as bold as a lion, because he is a lion, if you haven't seen it. And so he, he goes out and he, he sacrifices himself for the greater good, to save Narnia. And he gives up his life, and, and through dying, he's able to save everybody. It's a reflection of the, the work of Christ on the cross. And if you haven't watched it, you should watch that movie this afternoon. 
or maybe pick a rainy day because there's only a few sunny days left. Maybe you should watch it. But, but what I want to get at is that, like, he, he's this warrior. He's going into battle. He's, he's a mighty lion. But he doesn't, he doesn't roar. He's not, he's not showing his teeth and, or, like, going out with, with his claws. He, he just goes over and he, he like, sneaks out of the camp and he, and he goes to give up his life. And, you know, it's, it's not like, like William Wallace from Braveheart that we think, you know, he's got war paint on, he's running around with a sword. That's what we think of when we think of heroes. We don't think of, like, this quiet little lion who sneaks off to go save Narnia. So, I think, I think our definition of heroes could change, but really our, our definition of, of courage needs to change. So Mark Twain said this, courage is resistance to fear, Mastery of fear, not absence of fear. And I think to be a hero, you need to master the fear that says you'll die if you run into that burning building to save people. Or uh, like, like as a soldier, they would never say, oh, I'm not afraid of the bullets flying over my head. I did, uh, I did some time in the Army Reserves. I didn't like it. But while I was there, we, so we'd go to the gun range, and then so like a third of the guys are down there shooting, and then my squadron was tasked with changing the targets. So I'm standing here, and I mean like there's this little mound of dirt and whatever, but the bullets are, I mean like, if you put your hand up, you might get shot in the hand. It's a little scary. So I imagine when the bullets are actually aimed at you, that's terrifying for everybody. So, what am I saying? Yeah, so soldiers wouldn't tell you that they're not scared, but I think everybody would consider soldiers in the hero category. And so, when I was in the reserves, they tried to instill in us this idea that, like, I'm not so much fighting the enemy as I'm trying to keep the guy beside me alive. And that made more sense to me, because growing up as a Christian, like, Killing somebody didn't seem very biblical to me. And I know there's lots of wars in the Bible and that stuff going on, but I thought, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. But I'm comfortable in the idea of maybe shooting some bullets over there to keep that guy alive or to protect my country so I could get behind that. So you have to master the fear. That's courage. And I think that's why we think courage is reserved for heroes in heroic moments because courage is a mastering of Mastering your fear of a bad outcome in favor of saving someone else, courage makes heroes out of ordinary people. So getting back to our verse that's no longer up there. Can I go backwards? No, I can't. Okay. Well, if you remember, it was uh, Proverbs 20. No, I don't even remember. Can you put me back one, Jane? 28, 1. Maybe, we'll get there. So it talks about, it talks about this fear, like, like if nobody's after them, then what's this, what's this fear? What are they afraid of? Why are they running? And like, your fear's all in your head. You're, you're making it up. There's nothing, there's nothing to be afraid of. So I thought, well, what kind of things would make me afraid that I would run like a wicked person? And I think, like, we get, we get a fear of the future. We think, 
well, if I go tell these people that I'm a Christian, maybe they're going to mock me. Or what if something bad happens? And, you know, then you're, you're running around afraid of something that hasn't happened yet. And I think the only future that we need to worry about is our eternal future. And, you know, if you're a Christian, then you've sorted that out already. And if you're not, then I would love to talk to you about that afterwards. And the other option, I mean, the, so on the other side, I think we spend a lot of time being afraid of our past. We think, there was one time in middle school where I said to someone, oh yeah, I'm a Christian, and then they laughed in my face. And then you think, every time that I mention I'm a Christian to a non-Christian, they're going to laugh in my face, and you don't want that, so you say nothing. When in reality, I think most people, if you say, hey, I'm a Christian, they'd be like, oh, that's good for you, you do you. And they don't care as long as you're not forcing your belief down their throat. So what is great about, uh, as Christians, is that God will help us. He will build that strength in us. He will help us bring forth and live in courage. For example, like, I think it takes courage to be honest all the time. It's easy to lie. It's easy to make things up. Like, we lie because we're afraid of that bad outcome. But, like, so it takes courage to say, I screwed up, I did this thing, I did something wrong. And, you know, most of us are adults here now, and, like, we can handle that. You know, we can walk with somebody who did something wrong, who offended us. You know, the Bible talks a lot about forgiveness. We can work that out. Uh, it takes courage to join that Christian group at school, or maybe you've got other Christians at your work and you don't like hanging out with them because, let's face it, Christians are lame, right? We've somehow developed this reputation. And so it, it takes courage, I think, to pick Jesus over popularity. It takes courage to say, I'm a Christian, and come face to face with that mockery and that intolerance that might happen. Uh, but Proverbs 24 says, Someone is watching and doesn't want your weak excuses. And so I think at the same, like, if God's watching you do nothing, he's also going to be watching when you do something. Like I said, he, he'll be impressed when, when you step out and then you do something. That he, he doesn't want your weak excuses. So I also believe that courage is transferable in a sense. Not shareable, but transferable. Think about it like an extreme sport. Like, so if you go bungee jumping with your friends and you see, oh, he jumped off the bridge, the rope caught him, he's not dead. I could do this, right? You just need that one person who's either courageous or out of their mind to go first. <laughs> and then you think, I can do this. I'll be okay. You lived, I'll live. And it, it's that, that transference. Your courage allows me to be courageous. So maybe there's, there's someone in your, your school or at your work who when you come out and you say, I'm a Christian, I, I believe in these things, or you go to that Christian group or you sit with the Christians at lunch, then maybe they'll say, oh, well, that guy's going. Nathan's in that group. Nathan's cool. Maybe I can be in that group. And because of your courage to step out and do that thing and, and to profess your faith, they think, oh, well, it's okay. If Nathan's a Christian and Nathan's cool, then it's okay. One time someone said to me, you're Christian, but you're not weird. And I was like, nailed it. <laughs> Somehow I've made it. 
So at the beginning of the series, like Dan was saying, this is the end of the series. So now we'll look back at the beginning of the series. And he said, uh, you can fear people or you can fear God. And if you don't fear God, then you, you'll fear, fear people. But if you fear God, you won't care what people think. Fearing people affects our behavior around them. And in a sense, it lifts people up to a place that only God should hold. And on the other side, like fearing God is different than how we fear people. Fearing God is more of a respect. It's a recognition that only God should hold that place. Right? That, that God is the king of the universe. So Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so when I was reading this over, I thought, we fear what we don't know. We fear what doesn't exist, like those things that we're running away from. We're afraid of the dark because we don't know that nothing's there. The other night, I had this discussion with Adelaide, and if you don't know my kids, Adelaide's my two-and-a-half-year-old, and she's adorable. You see her running around later. And so she didn't want to go up to bed because she was afraid that there was monsters. And so I said, well, have you ever seen a monster? She says, no. Well, then how do you know that there's monsters? She didn't really have a response. And, like, you're afraid of this thing that, like, you don't even know it exists. And I'm telling her, like, there's no monsters. I'm huge. There's no monsters. They'd run away from me. She didn't buy that. <laughs> so th this is our verse for the, the Mighty Girls Club, and maybe I can get Adelaide to memorize this or something. So it, Dan said it earlier, I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And like, so, so some of those things, and, and again, I think that this word strength could also be through him who gives me courage. And, and it's this idea that, that God's handing out this courage. He's handing out all these things. He's giving you the courage to live in integrity, to be honest all the time, to have evangelism or to do evangelism. And so, you know, this makes me think of a mighty woman in the Bible, like Esther. And everybody, I don't know if you know the, the story of Esther, if you were listening to CHRI on the drive over to church like I was, on my three-minute drive, he mentioned Esther. I don't know who it was, but whoever it was mentioned Esther, and he started talking about this story. And so Esther, you know, thousands of years ago, back in the land of Persia, I guess, uh, there was this woman, Esther, and, and so she'd been taken into captivity with, with the other Jews, and she becomes the wife of the king of Persia, King Xerxes. So if you've seen the movie 300, then you know who King Xerxes is, because the Bible's real, and real things happen, and 300 is loosely based on reality, and there was this King Xerxes. He's a real guy. I thought that was super cool when I watched 300, and I noticed that. Anyway, so uh, the, there was this other guy, Haman, who was the chief minister, whatever that means, but he was important. And so when he said things, Xerxes listened. And so he was saying bad things about the Jews. He was coming up with this plan of how he could kill a whole bunch of the Jews because he didn't like them, you know? Kind of like, I don't know, that keeps happening in history for some reason. So, so Esther and her, her uncle come up with this plan that they're going to to say something, they're going to do something, and because Esther's in this place where she's the wife of the king, she thinks, maybe I can walk in there and say something, except if you walk in there, A, I think if she's not looking happy, she could die, 
and because she she didn't make an appointment, she hasn't been invited, then Xerxes could just be like, you're not supposed to be here, dead, and like, game over. But she says, I need to do something, or a lot of other people are gonna die. So she's willing to risk her life to save all these other Jews. That's courage, right? And, you know, so she does it, and she wins, and all things are good. Hammond dies instead. Read the story. So, this brings us to 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil is not in vain in the Lord. And, and I think, like, being immovable is part of being courageous, right? Being steadfast is part of being courageous. I don't know if that's what, what Paul was going for here, but that's what I got. That, that it's this idea of, of courage, that, that I'm immovable. I have courage in the things that I believe, and I'm going to stand for those things. The New Testament, which is written in Greek, that's where this verse comes from, uh, it, it adds a little bit to our definition of, of courage that I'm building. Um, there's a couple words, and they all have the same root. There's theros, therosio, and therio. Uh, and, and therio literally means to be confident, hopeful, or of good courage. So there, there's like this expectance there that, you know, I'm, I'm of good courage. It's something's coming. You know, it, it even uses the word hopeful, which is, you know, an expectant word. There's, there's an idea that sees victory in every opposition. It's this idea that you can have courage if you place yourself on the capable hands of the mighty God. So the complete topical guide to the Bible, which it's complete, it's a topical guide, it's good. So it says this about courage. God gives strength to his people. He enables them to be courageous through his gift of faith. So there's this tie between courage and faith. I have faith to be courageous because God is faithful and I have I need courage to have faith because God is invisible. It goes both ways. And so because I believe in gender equality and I talked about the girls club thing, I need to talk about the boys club thing. Oh, that was, that was the thing from the topical guide. Next one. So 2 Timothy 1.7. This is the verse for the fearless boys. For the spirit of God gave us for the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So, the most common reason that I get from people, or the, or the weak excuse I get when I talk about Christianity, or, or I try to evangelize to people, is they say something like, they don't want a crutch, or they don't think they need a crutch. It's this idea that they think, Christianity is going to make them weak, or that they don't need to add anything to their lives, that they're complete. And I, I think, like, like, being a Christian shouldn't make us less, it should make us more. Like, this talks about, you know, we're, we're not timid, that we, it, it gives us power. And I think, like, power is more than not having power, right? So, if you're not a Christian, you're, you're powerless, maybe, or you're like, the, the opposite would be the non-Christian. So I think if, if we can add these things, then don't make weak excuses. It's not a crutch. It's, it's power and strength and courage. So Ephesians 6.10 says, Finally, be strong in the Lord 
and then the strength of his might. So just, just remember, like, it's, it's his courage that he's giving to us. It's, it talks about him putting strength in us to be courageous. Uh, so if you saw the movie, this is like the fourth movie I've mentioned now. If you saw the movie Hacksaw Ridge, I think it came out like three years ago. And if you didn't see it, it's gory. Maybe don't watch it. But if you did see it, then you're going to know what I'm talking about. So there was this medic, and it's based on a true story. I'm not just picking random things. It's based on a true story, and there was this medic named Desmond Doss. And the story's kind of about his courage and his heroism. And so he, he goes out, and he's, like, he's a super Christian. He thinks, I can't carry a gun because the Bible says, thou shalt not kill, and I'll let you work that out on your own. But that, that was his conviction, and he said, I'm not going to carry a gun, but I want to go do my part. And this is during World War II. He signed up right after the bombing of Pearl Harbor. So he, he goes, and I mean, he's getting mocked. Because if you show up with a bunch of soldiers and you say, I'm not going to carry a rifle because I don't want to shoot anybody, they're going to laugh at you. Because that's ridiculous. Then why are you here? But he, he just goes through it, and they... They tried to court-martial him for disobeying a direct order to carry a rifle, and it didn't work. And they, they tried to get him to quit by giving him all these extra t- tasks and gross things to do, like cleaning toilets, and, and it didn't matter. He just, he just kind of trudged through it and said, I'm going to do this thing. Because he believed that his, his duty was to obey God and serve his country, but it had to be in that order, that God comes first. So, you know, I mean, you get, you get a lot of flack. And so what ends up happening is they get to this ridge. I didn't write down the actual name of it. But anyway, so they, they called this escarpment Hacksaw Ridge because they would climb up this thing and then, like, the Japanese would keep pushing them back and pushing them back. And then they, one day they finally take the ridge and they're, like, just about to relax and then the Japanese have this vicious counterattack and the Americans retreat back down the escarpment, except for Desmond. He stays up there as the medic, and he's running around trying to save people. And if you watch the movie, um, it's touching. And, and he's, he, he starts lowering down bodies, because you know, they're like way up there, however high. And, and the guys at the bottom just start catching them. And then every time he brings a body, he says, Lord, just help me get one more. And then he goes and gets another, and he keeps doing it. He ended up saving 75 people that day, right? Like, he's a, cur- he, he's a courageous hero by any standard. And so the, the point that I'm getting to with this, um, like, th- these are the same guys who, he, who were mocking him, like, a couple months ago when they were in training, right? And he doesn't care about that. He just cares about doing the work that God put him to do. So God is faithful, and if you're walking in his will, he will give you the courage to face any enemy, to walk any road, and to come out victorious on the other end. Like, I always struggle with the end of my sermons. I never know what to say. Do I just, like, end? Do I pray? Do I do an altar call? I never know what to do. And so, thinking in advance, I said, well, I'll just pray about it. And, and then uh, I was listening to CHRI again. And whoever was talking that time just kind of like, it inspired my heart to make the ending that I made. So God is faithful and, and he's going to provide. And if you're going into a situation and you're thinking, 
I don't want to talk to these people about Jesus. I don't want to tell these people that I'm a Christian. Whatever it is that you need courage for, if you just pray for it, then God's going to give you that. Like there's all these verses where, where God says that he's going to give you this thing. And like, like this one in John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Or it could say at the end, you know, have courage. And like that, that's a promise. If God's, if God's saying this thing that he's gonna give you this peace that you don't have to let your heart be troubled, you don't have to be afraid because he's giving you this peace, then that, that's a promise. And if you're feeling afraid, then you can tell God, well in John 14, 27, you said I would have peace and I want it, and then God's gonna give you that. Maybe talk a little nicer, because he's the king of the universe, but. Then, then there's also Psalm 31, 24. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait on the Lord. And, I don't know, I, I think it makes more sense in the other way around, because I think the first half is based on the second half. And like, the waiting on the Lord will give you the strength and the courage, right? That you don't have strength and courage and then you wait on God. I think it's the other way around, that, that you wait on God and then the result is strength and courage. But again, I, I think that's another promise. I, I think if you say, God, you said that I would have strength and courage if I waited on you and you're not feeling that way or it, it's not happening, then, then remind him. Say, God, it says in your word in Psalm 31, 24, that if I wait on you, I get strength and courage. And he'll remember, and he'll hand it out. So if he made, if he made promises like this in the Bible, uh, he would be faithful to carry it out in your life today. The Bible's not some old book, it's relevant today. So God promises courages to believers in the Bible, and he will be faithful to give it to you today.